0: (laughs) What's happening? Somebody's high (laughs) So we are very glad that you could be our guest for this this episode of Throwdown Thursday, number uh, 38 That's right, 38 It's our 38 special Uh, My name is Patsy the Angry Nerd Uh, I like science and movies comic books, and space. I am joined by uh, the lady who lives in my house, the mistress of Merlot, Ashes von Nightmare.
1: I like wine.
0: (laughs) Uh, That was her impression of the Pope. So uh, we are joined also by the bootylicious producer, Johnny Wolfenstein, (laughs)
2: Look, Bub, that was a one episode deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to eat my bootios. Ooh, there you go.
3: Know.
2: Uh, will you eat the bootios like groceries? No, no, no. no.
3: Oh, my God. Uh, oh my I, God.
2: I, I will not even dis- discuss that because it's uh, not a very nice thought. Uh. So much for
1: being a kid-friendly <laughs> episode.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Jesus, Christ, Really? And
3: we've gone to blue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've gone to plaid. <laughs> so, we're also... Uh, we're not joined so much, uh, but we are uh
1: she's still too busy like being under jail.
0: i mean if you've ever seen the movie bronson like she's too violent for normal supervillain jail so they're just like basically transferring her out uh right now she is uh waiting to be picked up by uh somebody that's gonna come give her a ride if you have a boat (coughs) perhaps a submarine uh and you can pick up uh Uh, Agent Nicole, in the middle of the ocean, she is... uh, I'm just
3: waiting for Gendry from Game of Thrones to come pick me up from all that fucking rowing. Is that where he's going? Yeah, (laughs) he's coming to pick me up.
0: I told him hang a left at Azkaban, and that's how he would find (laughs) uh, the raft. So yes, we are uh, joined in spirit and through the magic of technology by the ironborn jailbird Nicole.
3: (laughs) Jailbird, really? Um. Yeah, it's great to be still here. I might hang up when you piss me off later, Patsy, but... If I'm you here haven't eating. yet. Yeah, I know, but I'm eating chocolate, so I'm happy. Ooh, what kind of chocolate? So, I got Trader Joe's Fireworks Dark Chocolate, so it has like that kind of like Pop Rocks in there. It's really spicy, Ooh, it's really what? good.
0: I would not... Pop
3: rock uh, chocolate. I would not oh endorse. Oh my god, it's so good. I would it's, not
0: patronize any store that endorses treason.
3: So it's uh, rich dark chocolate with a touch of heat and popping sensation that will ignite your senses. Did you say
0: a touch of pee?
3: <laughs> a touch of heat. Heat. H e a t. Asshole.
0: So- Heated asshole. <laughs> That's a different type of chocolate. <laughs>
3: So, are your senses aroused by this chocolate agent, Nicole? No, it's more, I'm already fired up, and we're only a minute or two (laughs) minutes into the damn freaking episode. Four
0: minutes and seven seconds. I'm looking at the counter.
3: Okay, well, go fuck yourself. You may want to check your
0: chronograph.
2: Her her sundial.
0: (laughs) Yes, check your sundial. Although it might be tough, it's dark out.
3: Mm.
0: <laughs> so, if you uh, recall last episode, today we are going to be talking about erotic fiction between Batman and Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joshing you. No,
3: you're no, not. Actually, you're not.
0: That's well, a, That's not I'm what a, we're a, talking about.
3: I'm <laughs> I'm on the third chapter right now. I'm like kicking ass with this writing.
0: Oh Jesus. Oh, good. Slide down my bad pole, Logan. Uh, so, what we're actually going to talk about today is...
1: Something completely G-rated.
0: <laughs> for now.
2: <laughs> um, don't look up the slash fiction slash fan fiction for this one, folks. Oh, yeah, definitely don't. I guess slash fiction, is, it doesn't really apply to this... Potentially, because that's a specific type. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Beastie
0: Although I am curious as to how a candlestick has sex with a feather duster, but that's for later on. (laughs) Well, Um, you
2: are a writer, Patsy. (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
0: Um, So, what we're going to do today is, uh, because the live-action Beauty and the Beast film is coming out, um, we're going to cover some of the secondary characters... Uh, that we are looking forward to seeing portrayed on the big screen in a live action uh, version uh, of their animated counterparts. Um, Agent Nicole, you have your choice you uh, you picked some random person that's also some sort of furniture or you know like office supplies or something and uh, you did the same and my pick, is still a mystery. No one knows what I picked yet. Not even me. So, but we're gonna we're gonna start off by doing something a little different uh, in our our, uh, our our opening segment here. Ashes, why don't you uh, let the good folks at home, or in their cars, or at work, or wherever they happen to be listening to this fine fine podcast, uh, perhaps on uh, the International Space Station. Uh. Why don't you tell them what uh, our opening segment is going to be about?
1: Okay, so for today, our getting into character topic uh, for discussion is If a witch cast a spell and turned you into a household item, what would you be and why?
0: So uh, I'll go first because I know what I would be and I knew what I would be instantly uh, when when Ashes came up with this idea a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I would be a couch because, uh, while I am rather lumpy uh, in certain (laughs) places, uh, and I have a slight musty odor, uh, (laughs) I'm also well-worn and very comfortable. So, that is my answer. Um, Wolfie, while well, these two are waiting to recover, uh, oh do you have any idea what uh, <laughs> what type of... We're just springing this on him right now. What would what would you maybe be?
2: Yeah, Might help if I turn my mic on again. Uh, Man. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea about this. Uh, household appliance? Or just...
0: Just like, what I mean, would like- you, if... Similar to in the movie, when everybody, you know, like, Mrs. Potts got turned into a teapot, Lumiere... Well, I guess this a would... Candle.
2: This movie would be one of my lists of shame. I've never seen it. Oh. So...
0: Uh well basically they got turned into like the dog he was a big shaggy dog he got turned into a footstool like you know everybody got turned into something that you know kind of resembled their personality so
1: you know like the maid got turned into a feather
0: duster
2: Uh let's see well earlier you said I'd be turned into a, a mixing board right
0: Yeah I think that would be you know, That's kind
2: of so. it's kind of boring though Maybe a doorknob You get a lot of action as a doorknob, right? (laughs) Everybody gets their turn. That's right. (laughs) But if it's a bathroom doorknob, I want to be on the outside.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: probably a good idea. Probably a really good idea. And hopefully the door opens out and not in, because you'd still get the the feces particles on on the doorknob.
2: Thanks for that, Patsy. God hey, it's a Patrick. fact. Seriously? It's a fact.
0: I know, I know, but you didn't have to say it. That's a bonus science fact for everybody. You know, have <laughs> fecal particles and everything. When you're drying yourself off with a towel, if you leave your towel in the bathroom, guess what? You just got yourself fecesed.
1: <laughs> Agent Nicole, what would you be? <laughs> Please save me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, okay, I think I would be knitting needles. That's what
0: I would be. You would be two.
3: Yes, I would be two knitting needles.
0: I, I suppose that could go together. Like you know, like somebody could be like fine. A pair okay, of I'll change gates.
3: it. I'll be a paintbrush.
0: Like <laughs> what kind of paintbrush? Are we talking like a little paintbrush? Are we talking like a roller? What are we? What are we looking at? <sighs> for
1: fuck's
0: sake! I'm. I'm I just. I'm looking for specificity here. I was very specific. Okay, Lumpy. <laughs> okay, <must-y> Lumpy.
1: <laughs>
3: Oh my god. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not down there because I probably at that point would just reach over the desk and try to choke you.
0: No, you wouldn't.
3: Ugh. I would be like a paintbrush, like a long paintbrush where, you know, painters use, like what Bob Ross uses okay. in his pictures. Is that happy? Are you happy with
0: that lumpy? Oh, uh, that's fine. You can go. Okay. He's about
3: as happy as Bob Ross's happy trees.
1: <laughs>
0: let's just let's just put a little bush over there, and that that bush will be our little secret. And if you How about that, you it, ashes. That, that bush is there. I will come to your house, and I will cut you. She asked you a question.
1: Okay, are you done? Yeah never, um, Right. Yeah, that's a stupid question You're never finished um, So if I were turned Into a household item I would probably Be turned into A corkscrew And not one of those Like um, Kind of like Bartender Corkscrews um, More like The ones that kind of Look anthropomorphic They have like The uh, bottle opener At the top Like the ones that we have At our house Patsy Oh I thought you
0: were going to say Like the, the little dude That they have That it's a wine stopper And the wine stopper Is his wang <sighs> But I know what you're saying. Like, it's got, like, as you screw it up, it looks like the person is raising their arms in the air, like, yes,
1: yay, wine! Yes, yes, one of those. So it has, like, the bottle opener on the top, and it actually um, also serves as kind of like a like a handle to help pull uh, once you have secured the corkscrew into the wine bottle to pull the cork out. Yeah, and, 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 and then you, you can, can use like it to pop
0: open, like, beer bottles and stuff as well.
1: That's what a bottle opener is. Um, <laughs> and it has, like, these two little, like, they kind of look like, arms so you use the top the bottle opener portion um, you line up the little corkscrew part, and then you turn the bottle opener portion, um, which screws in the corkscrew into the cork, and then you press the little arm. You know, and, and all throughout this process, the little arms are kind of like raising, like, "Yay, you're gonna drink some wine!" And then, like, you know, once the arms are raised, you know that the entire corkscrew is fitted into the cork. So all you have to do is press the arms down, and you are decorked. And yeah, so I figured, you know, if I were <laughs> if I were going to be be a household object I would want to be as close to wine as I possibly could so I would want to help other people consume wine while saying yay in the process
0: sweet
1: (laughs) yay (laughs) you're drinking wine yay
0: alright so you know anybody out there if you uh, would like to tell us what type of furniture you'd be uh, go right ahead
1: Um, hit us up on the Facebook page
0: uh Um, you know Are you underwater now? Or something? Like what's going on back there?
3: Oh sorry I was moving my computer I didn't think you guys would pick that up I'm sorry
0: You know how powerful that microphone is It we, heard we you flush the toilet from the Nicole we're away. picking up
3: everything so stop
1: touching yourself um,
0: <laughs> oh, oh, my god. <laughs> oh
2: my god Oh but I'm the bad one <laughs> Wasn't this a G-rated show today? Oh What's going on was, here? I told that you it wasn't going to be go. one.
0: <laughs> oh, sweet zombie-jeebus. So, <laughs> on that note,
1: we should probably head to our first break. Yeah, part. let's do
0: our break. <laughs> and uh, when we come back, we'll I'm so discuss. shocked
3: that Ash just said that <laughs> to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, you must be new. I, I'm not at all shocked. So, yeah, let's, let's go to break and then we'll come back and...
2: There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and trick or treat radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you <laughs> took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This uh, podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a me, Giovanni Lampard Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand
2: <laughs> yeah. someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lindsay. This is Bobby Chains, Uncle Polly, from the Unchained Podcast, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday, hashtag Team Nicole. Be
3: there or be Arthur.
0: And we're back! Oh my god, that was exciting. We uh, we sat here and didn't do anything in between the uh, during the break. It was uh, it was a thrilling escapade worthy of uh, remembrance and song. What does that look for? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. So what we're gonna do is. We're going to talk about some things, and some people, and some people who are things. And, uh, so, the thought we had was we would talk about some of the secondary characters of the Beauty and the Beast film, because, now, while we've already seen it animated, uh, and if you haven't, uh, it's an excellent film. I like it a lot, despite the fact that I absolutely tear it apart all the time because there's lots of plot holes and i have a lot of problems with a lot of the things um although i had a huge problem with uh <clears throat> with uh, the king kong 2005 film as well as much as i liked it i found it very upsetting that uh naomi watts did not use her tele- super amazing teleportation powers to get uh, King Kong out of of danger.
1: See, I was disappointed that Naomi Watts was not Sienna Miller.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just just don't understand how she got from the roof of the Empire State Building to the ground uh, in roughly the same amount of time uh, Kong did, but she was fine. So if she has all these teleportation powers, I don't understand why she didn't help Kong. But that's neither here nor there. Um, So we decided that we were going to take some of the characters that we saw in the uh, original film that came out in 1991, and compare them to, you know, who uh, or, or talk about who we liked to who we liked as a secondary character, and who were you know kind of excited to see being portrayed in live action form because there's some really great casting that's been done for uh, this new film. So, <clears throat> Agent Nicole.
3: Yeah. <laughs> thank you for the uh,
0: <laughs> rapid response. So
3: <'Sup? laughs>
1: we're gonna
0: we're gonna start with you, and uh, which uh, terrible monster of a character did you pick?
3: I picked Mrs. Potts slash Chip Potts.
0: Well, there is no evidence his last name is Potts. It's just Chip. It's like share
3: god i hate you so much sometimes (laughs) oh am i doing it or are we all telling each other whose character
1: i'm not
0: revealing mine till the last possible second
1: so i think what he wants us to do is to go around the room and seeing as you're not in the room you can go first and and (laughs) kind of talk about you know some key points and stuff on the character that you've chosen yes
3: okay so i chose mrs potts who in the 1991 animated um movie the beauty and the beast um is voiced by angela lansbury if you don't know who she is well what you're the stupid
0: <laughs> yeah. murder she wrote <laughs> breadsticks and boom knobs she was in that uh yep. Yeah.
3: So, Mrs. Potts was the head housekeeper of the spoiled prince, a.k.a. the beast, in the film. Um, she's the mother of several, several children, one of them being Chip, who's usually around her all the time, like a little lost poppy. Um, Mrs. Potts uh, was transformed into a teacup,
0: along with her colleagues. Teapot. <sighs> mm-hmm. There is a significant difference.
3: Okay. Anyways, um, for his her personality, Mrs. Potts is very intelligent, level-headed, and self-righteous. She is the most reliant member of the Beast staff. Being a mother, she's very nurturing and gentle, but she also doesn't take any shit from nobody. Um, she, while she might be very scared of the beast, she doesn't back down against him. She would give him a stern attitude, and she's basically the voice of reason a lot amongst the staff. Um, the reason why I like Mrs. Potts is just, she's, like, she's just, she's just great, I think. But I know someone who doesn't agree with me. Um, she's the voice of reason, and I think amongst all these people who get turned into different objects, she's the one who kind of keeps everybody in line, and she makes sure so that the beast isn't being violent towards anybody, or tries not to be violent. Um <sighs> Sorry, I feel like I'm not prepared <laughs> enough. No, that's but, um, okay. Um,
1: she's definitely uh, the maternal voice Yeah. in regards to, you know, the other characters in the film. um, You know, she's kind of like the resident, because she is a mom, she's kind of like the resident mom. You know, she makes sure that kind of, you know, everyone stays in line and does what they're supposed to do. And, and she also helps take care of them as well. And even towards the beast, you know. Um, yeah. Especially in that that scene where uh, Beast goes out and saves Belle, fights the wolves, comes back, he's injured, and Belle's Mm -hmm. trying to, like, tend to his wounds and stuff. She kind of, you know, tells him that, you know, it's, it's, we need to do this, it's for your own good, you know, kind of like something that a mom would say, you know, like... um, She definitely has Belle's back as well. Uh, the whole scene where I believe it is Belle is in the, the room that she's taken to. Uh, and it's Mrs. Potts and the wardrobe. And there may be a couple of the other like female characters in there just kind of having like girl time. <laughs> you know, that was yeah. cool to see too. But again, yeah. like, you know, Mrs. Potts um, definitely has like that, that, that motherly um, attitude about her.
0: I, I do have an issue with Mrs. Potts uh-huh. because, first of all, she has seven kids, seven of them, and you know that because she tells Chip, get into the cupboard with your brothers and sisters. Do you know what their names are? No, nobody does. Do you know if they're male or female? No, nobody does. She's a terrible mom. Do you know the only time you get to see uh, Mrs. Potts with her other children when they are pouring boiling tea on the uh, people that uh, attack the house, the castle. So she doesn't talk to them, doesn't interact with them, doesn't do anything, has nothing to do with them, but trains them to be murder machines. That's all she does. Nice well, you'd,
3: A, you don't know how old they are, so they might be... Exactly, you know things.
0: nothing about them.
3: You don't. You don't know anything about You she don't know how she raised her murder. children. You don't. You really don't know how she trains her children. This is a, what, 150-minute film? Yeah. You're not going to go into deep backstories about their lives.
0: Well, they should, because that's terrible. Like it, it Clearly, she favors Chip among, among everyone else. And well, Chip's
3: the one who's around you, her. It's the youngest child. child. Yeah, you don't... The
0: then why are all the other ones in bed before he is? He should be in bed first. Hmm? 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 Oh, yeah. Nothing Nothing coming back from that. Also, also, where are they after they turn into peoples? Then there's no uh, people cop guys running around. You know what? I think it's because that's it's based on Angela Lansbury, who trained her actual children to pour boiling tea on anyone who came to her house. I'm pretty sure that's what it, that's why Murder, She Wrote wasn't so much a TV show, it was a documentary about how she uh, committed crimes and blamed everyone else. So I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. But I also want to know Mrs. Potts, how, how old do you think Mrs. Potts is? If you were to take a guess.
1: Well, I mean, we, we were t- having this g- discussion beforehand. Like, I mean, Chip does call her like mama. But, you know, there are instances where children are raised by their grandparents who refer to their grandparents as like, you know, mama or papa. or You know, so it could be one of those instances. It could be, you know, maybe she grade early. People do that. Skinny mixed skinhead, like you know. <laughs> First of all, I
0: am not skinny. Uh, I know I'm. I'm behind a microphone, so maybe you didn't see me here. But uh, yeah, don't give me that look. <laughs> but that's just my observation. She's like a hundred, and her kid is like six.
1: It I mean, happens. Good, for, good for her. It happens, but I feel like that. That's that's. I uh, bet you every it, one it hap- of her
0: kids is is the the clock. The clock is the dad. <clears throat> so they're clock pots.
1: Okay, I feel like what you're doing right now is completely irrelevant to the story, so I'd like to know if Agent Nicole has anything else to add about the character of Mrs. Potts or Chip.
3: No, I don't. I'm done. And I'd also like to add that Patsy
1: is a jerk.
0: Chip is not to be confused with the California Highway Patrol. That's a different type of Chip. Ashes. uh... Which character did you choose?
1: Okay, so I chose Lumiere, and um, I I, I sort of kind of did something.
0: What did you did?
1: Um, so I kind of uh, took inspiration from what Patsy did a couple of weeks ago Ooh. when talking about Willy Wonka, and seeing as Lumiere, um, kind of, perf- well, I mean, he not kind of. Lumiere is responsible for the most iconic song coming out of this movie, uh, Be Our Guest. I kind of sort of wrote a song.
0: Do you need background music?
1: <clears throat> I do not. No, the background music would, would throw me off. But do you, could, do you guys, guys want to your hear song. it? Do you guys want to hear it?
0: Yeah, I want to hear your song. Okay.
1: Okay, you ready? You ready? You Go! Brace yourself. Brace yourself. <coughs> 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 okay. No, keep in mind. I, I like just wrote this like a half hour before we started recording. That's when I got the idea and and inspiration struck. And I have not had the opportunity to practice this, so this may be really horrible. But we're just going to go with it. Okay, ready? Brace yourselves. B R guest be our guest we throw down better than the rest tune in every single thursday put our knowledge to the test characters favorite nerds why we only live to serve a new movie fave tv show tune in thursdays to learn much more we can sing take off our pants this is not a filmed podcast and the wine i drink is never second best agent nicole's complaining patrick thinks he's entertaining be our guest be our guest be our guest
0: that was awesome
1: that was wonderful. That was
3: really good. That
1: was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that gets me geared up to talk about Lumiere, the Casanova of Candelabras, voiced by Jerry Orbach in the movie, who does a superb French accent. Um, And he is geared up to be played by Ewan McGregor in the upcoming movie who I am a fan of Ewan McGregor. So I'm very excited to see how this is all like portrayed and done out and stuff. So a fun fact, uh, Lumiere actually means light in French. So it kind of works out pretty well. Lumiere is a kind hearted, charismatic, slightly rebellious character. He is social and hospitable um, that is seen um, you know throughout the entire movie with his interactions, especially towards belle um, and, and initially, you know uh, he welcomes Maurice into the castle. Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me, he is arguably beast 's closest friend, even though he habitually disobeys the firm rules of his master. he is free spirited and rebellious um, his free spirited and rebellious nature puts strain on his friendship with Cogsworth. Cogsworth is the clock who kind of likes to stick to the rules and follow everything and Lumiere is just like hey you know let 's let 's try to have some fun with everything there 's some leeway you know. Um, he is a chivalrous ladies' man that, again, is portrayed throughout the entire movie. Uh, he is rather fl- flirtatious and speaks in a suave, smooth tone. I wish I could do a, a good French accent, because I would, but I'm not going to try. Hey,
0: look at me. I'm it's French. Gonna,
1: it's, it, it would probably turn into my Hans Landa <laughs> impression. and that That's would be. a French accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. You know, when he provides romance advice to the Beast... Uh, Lumiere is the reason why he kind of plants the bug in Beast's ear like hey you have this very pretty lady locked up in a you know locked up in, in this you know uh, jail cell the tower, and, you know in it yeah in the t- in the tower maybe you should give her a room you know maybe you should you know give her nice clothes to wear maybe you should uh, you know um, you know he escorts uh, Belle along with the Beast uh, to her room and Was like, hey, maybe you should invite her for dinner. And Beast was like, you're coming for dinner. You know, (laughs) um, he also aids in the Beast kind of softening his tone a little bit and brushing up on his appearance. Um, Both Lumiere and Mrs. Potts are partially responsible for the, you know, helping to enhance the romantic connection between Belle and the Beast. Um, which is why I think it's fantastic that Nicole and I both chose these characters because they, they kind of plot together a little bit. And then there's this whole um, musical number called Human Again um, where, you know, it's it uh, was cut out of the original movie. But if you have the extended version, it's part, you know, on... Um, it, it it's uh, it's it's part of the extended version. Yeah,
0: which is out right now and available for purchase.
1: Um, you know, so you know, kind of uh saying that, you know, there's kind of like a... a I'm trying to think of of the word here, like when you like, they, they, they want, they like Belle, they form, you know, an attachment to her, they think she's nice, but they, you know, and they want Beast to fall in love because, you know, he's becoming, like, a nicer person. It's an
0: ulterior motive. Yes,
1: that's it. They have an ulterior motive because, you know, if they get someone to fall in love with the Beast, they get to become human again, which is ultimately what they all want anyways because they think, you know, for lack of a better word, it's bullshit that they were dragged into this whole situation.
0: Don't get me started on it.
1: Um, I'm not going
0: to. I'm still talking. I'm still talking about article. Lumiere.
1: I'm still talking about Lumiere. Um, so I think he's definitely the most boisterous one out of the group. Um, he loves himself a feather duster. <laughs> um, I just love his character. Uh, you know, he's very caring. And I think that he, you know, provides the Beast, even though, especially to start out with, the Beast is, is you know, rather a, a, a terrible character. Uh, given circumstances, you know, he talks to the Beast in a way that I don't think the other characters would be able to talk to the Beast, you know? Like, like for some reason, Lumiere is allowed to speak to him that way. Nobody else would dare speak to you know, the beast who is ultimately like their master, um, you know, in that way. And I just, I just love the character of Lumiere. I don't know what it is. You know, it's, it's the charisma and the charm of the character and the way that, you know, Jerry Orbach voiced the character. Like you said, you know, the, the French accent that he, he took and, you know, watching, um, Oh, excuse me. Watching video of the recording sessions that they did with Jerry Orbach in the recording studio, voicing Lumiere, like you can definitely tell that one definitely fed into the other, and they actually took some of Jerry Orbach's mannerisms and you know animated them, and even
0: kind of looks like them a little bit.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it's just it's just so cool, and I think it's. Um, You know, uh, obviously this movie has three main characters. uh, Belle, you know, the Beauty, um, the Beast, and Gaston. But I think these secondary characters are just so important because the movie would not be the same without them. And I just thought that it was so cool how these characters went through... These characters kind of go through a transformation as well. Um, Literally
0: and figuratively.
1: Exactly. Uh, You know, having somebody else, like an actual person in the castle, you know, after, what, 10 years? 10 years, we've been rusting, needing so much more than dusting. Needing Um, exercise,
0: a chance to prove our skills.
1: So that's all I've got for right now, unless anybody else would like to add anything about Lumiere.
0: Well, based on what you were saying about how he, you know, is kind of like steering everybody and I wrote it down and you didn't want to say it, but he's the one who suggested showing Belle the library because (laughs) he remembered when they were trying to dissuade her from going into the West wing that, uh, she was very receptive to the idea of a library, uh, a library with books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Lumiere was quick to point that out, that there were books in their library as opposed to, like, cheesecake or something.
1: I want a library of cheesecake.
0: Yeah, but it's going to go bad after a while. So...
1: Challenge accepted. Come on, Nicole, grab a fork.
0: The <laughs> the uh, character I wanted to talk about... Uh, was a French guy named Jean-Paul Toilette uh, who ended up being the Toilet but uh, it turns out that I Only Dreamed That it didn't actually happen and they didn't give him much uh, backstory or character development um, so we didn't, we didn't cover him in uh, real life which is too bad because I'm sure that's a really interesting story as to how the man became Toilet and Toilet became man and You know, maybe he had, like, some funny quips, like, oh, what a shitty job this is, you know, stuff like that. I'm tired of taking your crap, you know, things like that. I'm sure that's probably what... That's probably another deleted scene that Disney took out. Well, it Uh,
1: definitely wasn't included in the bonus features. It was not.
0: It should have been. uh, And the toilet would have been been played by Patrick Stewart. Like, I'm 100% sure... Because I think he's the only guy with the chops to pull off a toilet. So, uh, so I had who a,
1: did you choose? Well,
0: I actually chose two characters because I'm very interested in their portrayal in the live-action film. Um, they're pretty good in the, uh, the animated version, but uh, when you have actors like Ian McKellen and Josh Gad uh, portraying uh, animated characters brought to life... Uh, I think that's what I got to go with. So, I went with LaFou, which is French for the fool, uh, who will be portrayed in the live-action film by Josh Gad of Frozen fame. He was the snowman uh, Elmo, or whatever the fuck man. his name was. Nemo, bingo. Olaf. Yeah, all of, all of those names. Yeah. Olaf, those different names. Um, <clears throat>
1: so, uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, fun fact. So, apparently... Um, Josh Gad's portrayal of LeFou, like that character is openly gay, which...
0: Is causing a lot of in, closures. Yes, People in the won't.
1: southern states. Apparently they're they're not taken too kindly to a flamboyant character in their Disney movies.
0: Oh, but they're okay with showing, you know, a beast evolving into a man. Hmm? Hmm? I thought they were against that, too. But, um, but yeah. And who, I,
1: and who else were you wanting to talk about?
0: Uh, Ian McKellen's portrayal of, uh, Codsworth. Mm-hmm. C- Cogsworth, not Codsworth. That's the guy from, uh, Fallout 4. Um, because I think David Ogden-, Ogden Steers did a phenomenal job. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with him, if you ever watch the old MASH show, uh, David Ogden Steers. Uh, now his name is escaping me, but he was the guy who was the roommate with... Uh, his name was Frank. Shit, now I can't remember his name. But he was uh, B.J. Honeycutt and Hawkeye Pierce's straight-laced roommate. Uh, you know, so he was kind of like their uh, their odd couple type guy. Like, they were crazy and wacky and liked Frank. No, he wasn't Frank. That was somebody else. Now i got to look it up because I'm pissed. But in the upcoming film, he'll be played by... Ian McKellen, which I think is awesome because um, Ian McKellen can do pretty much whatever he wants. So, the reason I chose these two is LeFou is... Uh, he's really the, uh, the 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 driving force behind uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's planned or not, but he's kind of the driving force behind everything that... Uh, Everything that Gaston does, because like, he's always, you know, kind of like, he knows that uh, Gaston fancies himself an alpha male, and he's always kind of like just tweaking him and just saying one little thing, like, he's always boosting up his ego, like, oh, everybody loves you, you're great, oh, you're the best, oh, yeah, you know, and, and that gets Gaston thinking, it's like, oh, you know what, I am the best, how dare she turn me down, and he's... You know, that scene where they're talking to the, uh, the, uh, who's it's there, the guy who runs the Asylum for Loons. He's like, oh, there's been a little, uh, difficulty here. And it's like, yeah, I, she turned him down flat. And, like, that really got, you know, uh, got him pissed off. Got uh, Gaston pissed off. So he's like, all right, you know, I'm going to go into this. So he's, he's really like, he's the one who got, uh,. Got the ball rolling, so to speak, because he kind of like, he tweaks the little bits of uh, personality that that, uh, Gaston has and kind of drives him in one direction.
1: Well, I think it's because, um, and this is just my personal opinion, uh, Gaston's kind of a bully.
0: Oh, no, he totally is. Like,
1: he really is. And I think that in order to prevent himself from, you know, from being bullied, that's what Lafu does. Like, well, if I pump up his tires, he's going to keep me around. He's not not going to bully me. It's
0: not just pumping up his tires. It's also like, you know, kind of just like jabbing him here and there, like to drive him. It's like, you know, oh, you've got these, you know, these three, you know, triplets that are throwing themselves at you. But it's like, no, no, no. You want to go with this girl, you know, and like... Like he, I think he's, he wants to see Gaston fail, but at the same time, he's like right there. Like he doesn't want Gaston to go away because then who will he have? Like he doesn't. He's too right, weak like to have Gaston his own.
1: Gaston is kind of his meal ticket. Like he right. has the in on everything in town because he's Gaston's friend. Like he right. hangs out with Gaston.
0: I mean, even though Gaston treats him like utter garbage, like he, which he does, like you know he forces him to stand outside of uh, Bell and Maurice's house until they return and you know after a while he's just covered with snow because he looks like a snowman which is funny that mm-hmm. is going to be played by Josh Gad cuz Josh Gad also was a snowman um but yeah it's it, that type of character he's just like this weaselly like spineless type of character. He knows
1: exactly what to say
0: to get what
1: he wants and is trying to use his relationship with Gaston to benefit him in any way. He's
0: not smart enough to get by on his manipulative talents in the real world, but he can manipulate Gaston to do kind of what he wants, but he's got to keep up this air of stupidity the whole time. Although, I, he's incredibly unlucky, and he's not... uh, He's not particularly charming or anything like that, but he has he has I mean, his he has fingers kind of the, in Gaston's brain. So, yeah, he's—he's
1: yeah, he's ultimately he's kind of like the anti-Gaston in the sense that he's the complete opposite of Gaston, where Gaston's, you know, very... He's short and... Confident and, and tall and,
0: and... handsome and strong and...
1: Uses antlers in all of his decorating.
0: LeFou uses antlers in none of his decorating. Yeah. Um but the other the, so i i kind of liked that aspect of that character cuz like no one ever really looks at it that way but uh Cogsworth Cogsworth i keep calling him Cogsworth Cogsworth to me is the impetus for the whole whole reason that the film happens in the first place now Cogsworth int- uh, introduces himself as the head of the household so as head of the household he's in charge of you know the the day to day activities. You know, making sure that the prince is you know learning to read because there's a deleted scene where in with uh, that that uh, the beast and Belle Belle reads uh, Romeo and Juliet and she's like oh he's like oh will you read it to me again and she's like oh you read it and he's like I really don't know how to read and like that was his that was that would be uh Cogsworth's job not to teach him how to read but to make sure that he's getting his you know the the prince is getting his lessons each day like he's learning his comportment he's learning how to you know uh you know like he's holding the teachers responsible and like you know you need to learn how to fence you need to learn how to do this and that you know whatever uh, a a a uh, a prince would need to know in this specific time period um but at the same time, I feel like Cogsworth is going to be the most important character after uh, the events of the film. Because Lumiere uh, only thinks with his wick. Uh, and Mrs. Potts, while she can be a voice of reason, like she's more... Uh, She's matronly, but she doesn't have what seems to be like a, a real-world experience, so to speak. Like she's obviously able to take charge, and and you know she's very uh, intelligent, but she just doesn't have the the, the prince's ear the way Cogsworth was. She, he doesn't; they don't think the same way. So, I think that Cogsworth is going to be the most important person you know after their marriage because now this prince has to run a kingdom like he has to learn how to do all these things and now that he's a prince and he has a real reason to uh actually listen to them they have to be his his education and that's where cogsworth comes in cogsworth has to kind of guide his education and guide his his uh essentially his growing up because he didn't get 10 years of uh he didn't get a childhood and he didn't get 10 years of being you know, a teenager and, like, peer bonding and and social interactions, and now Cogsworth has got to do all of that as head of the household. That's his job, making sure that this is all correct. That is, uh... That's why I chose Cogsworth. Because, again, I look at things a little bit differently than most folks. But it's going to be really weird. Like, he's got to teach him how to, you know, the guy guy can't read, but he's got to, you know, preside over a, a kingdom. Um... He has no idea how to do that. He has no idea how to how to uh do math. He can't math that good. Um so that's why I chose him because I think uh Cogsworth is gonna be uh very important.
1: See I thought you chose him because he has kind of like this um the scene towards the end, where the castle is being stormed by the townspeople and all of the, um, you know, they're 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 fighting back any way that they possibly can, and all of a sudden, Cogsworth comes sliding down the banister with this like Napoleon esque hat and like oh, guns and jammed, in each
0: hand. He has a gun in one hand. A fl- <laughs> he has a, a flintlock pistol in one hand, and. A, a set of scissors in the other, and Lumiere is getting melted by Lefou, and so they don't want to show him shoot Lefou. That would be violent. So instead, he slides down the banister and rams the friggin' the the scissors straight into his rectum, like you know that.
1: And I love the I love the bromance terrible. between Lumiere and Cogsworth. <sighs> like Lumiere is obviously the bad influence of the group. While Cogsworth is the one trying to keep, you know, everything going forward and running smoothly. He's trying to do everything
0: by the rule. Like, it's like, hey, I know that we're all like fucking clocks and toilets and shit, but like, we still have, like, yeah, but, like dignity. The thing. We like, still like, have a household. Lumiere to maintain. is the reason
1: why Cogsworth life is fun like without Lumiere like Cogsworth wouldn't be thrown into vats of jello, and
0: <laughs> I don't think baked
1: into fun. a pie and,
0: <laughs> and set on fire <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that he thinks that's fun yeah. like he's still you know he's still
1: it's it's interesting though
0: you know instead of like running off and impregnating all the feather dusters which you know being that this is held in France gives a new definition to the word French tickler instead of running around and impregnating every freaking piece of furniture that moves, he's still trying to maintain, like, okay, here's how we're going to do this, and here's how we're going to do that. And they're all just like, ah, we're going to do whatever we want. And it's like, no, like, we still have rules and order. Like, I know you're a fucking, you know, stack of dishes, and I know that you're a fucking, like, lamp and shit, but, like, we still have things to do. And you see them really get that organization together... In the uh, deleted scene, the song yeah the the the
1: human again scene where they're actually um, so what they're doing is they're they're cleaning up because they're trying to set the mood. Uh, This is before the um, Beauty and the Beast scene, the ballroom
0: with the song with the song the song that Mrs. Potts sings. Yes, Um, probably the the, the
1: second most iconic song from that movie. Um, so, you know, he, he gets everyone in, you know, with the help of Mrs. Potts and Lumiere to kind of band together and be like, hey, we have a purpose. Like, He's like, yeah, you, know. you go
0: here, you do this, you go this way. Well, I think it's way. because, you know,
1: with Belle's arrival for the first time, they have a hope. You know like here they are thinking that you know they're they're stuck like this forever and, and all of a sudden to her arrival yeah, you know and
0: he seamlessly slides right back into the role that he had prior to them all turning into magical fucking dishpans and they did what and they did what you know he needed to do they needed to do because he was like listen i know you guys have kind of like gotten lax and what i don't get is you know, clearly certain people are more important than others because Mrs. Potts is not even the only teapot. There were a bunch of teapots, but they don't have faces or anything. Why does she get a face and nobody else does? Like that's mean, Disney. That's mean. Um So yeah, there's a lot of uh you know, a lot of um a lot of really cool stuff in that film and if you haven't gotten a chance to see it, it's it's amazing. Yeah,
1: definitely, you know, if you haven't checked out the original 1991 animated version of Beauty and the Beast, please do because it is just so it is beautifully done. Like it is just the animation gorgeous. is
0: insane.
1: Um you know, like it, I believe it was nominated for Best Picture. It
0: was. It lost. like, and this
1: isn't like Best Animated Picture. Like, it was nominated for Best Picture um, in the Oscars that year. Like, that's how good of a movie it was. Now, I don't know if they didn't just just didn't have the animated um, category at the time. If that's like a, a more recent thing, but I mean, it was nominated for Best Picture. So, I mean, it's just beautifully done. It got um, uh,
0: best. Music and Best Original Song in 1992. So Best Original Score. It was. It was nominated uh, in 1992 for Best Picture. I'd have to look it up real quick to see what they lost to, but I believe it was Silence of the Lambs. Um, but yeah, that was a. Uh, 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 it was incredibly well done. They, uh, you know, and we mentioned it's like there's a, a spot because again we're we're very big fans ashes and i um of the uh, the practical effects so that that goes to um <clears throat> you know that goes obviously to um you know animation as well but there is like a seamless integration in some of these uh some of these uh, different scenes of computer generated graphics like the ballroom scene like the ballroom itself is like a uh, has was done on computers, but the animation of the two characters uh it was incredible uh yeah and I just looked this up yes best best picture was silence of the Lambs, so beauty and the beast uh lost to silence of the lambs like that's definitely a different uh, different uh couple of films there
1: so i think if um does agent nicole do you have anything else to add i don't okay so i think it's a really good time to wrap up this discussion on beauty and the beast mm-hmm. uh the secondary characters and it, i believe it comes out this weekend so yep, tomorrow take, take this knowledge hold it with you and go see the movie um, I know well, I will be at some point. See if
0: you agree. W- see if you agree with any of the stuff that we say. See if that you think that maybe something else you know comes in, into mind. You know, if you have any other thoughts. Um, I do have more thoughts on this film, uh, but I can post a link to the article I wrote if you're interested, and you can you know share your thoughts on that as well. But uh, yeah, so I think. This is definitely a good time to uh, take a break, and when we come back, we will uh, talk about our new battle and give you some uh, fun files and wine facts and science knowledges. Do you love a scary story? Do you love to dance? The big scary monster comes
1: at midnight. Is a collection of dark songs about sex, love, death of the world, brought to you by the world's greatest monster hunting, Electroshock Band, The Dice.
0: Final segment of the show. We are uh, getting close to wrapping everything up, but uh, you know, obviously, we have a few things we got to cover first. So, the first thing that uh, I'd like to I'd like to mention is that you know we do have our uh, our upcoming battle, and uh, Ashes, this is actually your idea because um, we threw a couple of things out. I suggested, you know, what's more comfortable, a couch or a or a recliner, because I tend to sleep on both when it's time for naps, but, uh, I, I think your idea was definitely better than mine, because I didn't really come up with anything that was all that, uh, all that amazing. Uh, so why don't you tell the folks what our, uh, our idea, or your idea was for our battle.
1: Okay, are you are you are you ready, Agent Nicole? We're going to count it out one, two, three, and then do yeah. it this time. Okay, ready, ready, yeah. ready. Yeah. One, two, three. It's, it's a five, motherfucking throwdown. Oh my god, I think you're cutting out.
0: No, there's a there's a slight delay on the. Yeah,
1: there is. Because oh, there she's is? underwater, that she oh, tapped into no. the transatlantic cable. Agent Nicole, come back to me. Come back, Agent Nicole. I'm reaching out my hand. I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> Patsy, don't grab me. <laughs> I'm reaching <laughs> out Nicole. I'm reaching out my hand.
0: Nicole's in the um, upside down.
1: Okay, well, that, that that did not work, but hopefully Agent Nicole will be with us next week and we can be in studio and count it out and throw down our mother fucking throw down appropriately. Um, so anyways, new battle this week. Um... So, it's kind of funny how the past couple of weeks we've had a similar theme. Uh, beauty and the Beast. Uh, the concept of Beauty and the Beast was mentioned several several times throughout the King Kong movie, especially um, towards the end, that iconic line.
0: It wasn't the airplanes that got It was Beauty killed the Beast.
1: Um, so... Going back to our episode last week, um, our battle for this week is a King Kong Battle Royale. Who would win uh, the 33 version of King Kong, the 76 version of King Kong, or the 2005 version of King Kong? So the poll will be up on the Facebook page. Definitely um, let us know your opinion.
0: I do want to put a caveat out there. Um I know that the two thousand and five Kong was shown to be much more agile, but that's only because of the uh the, technology available yeah, the technology and the effects available. I would throw it out there that um they're all capable of doing this uh they're all going to be agile, <laughs> strong, fast, so don't let that sway you just based on the portrayal of what you saw. What do you think? So that's what I would uh And this, would this
1: Battle Royale will take place in their natural habitat on Skull Island. So a Skull Island Battle Royale. Who would win? The 33 King Kong, the 76 King Kong, or the 2005 King Kong?
0: I was going to say it should take place on Monster Island. That way it's neutral because there were th- three different versions of Skull Island as well cuz there was the one the one from 76 was all had all the uh like petroleum pits bubbling up out of the out of the uh the uh ground there and uh, yeah, I couldn't think of the word ground so i would say monster island cuz that's where all the kaiju end up anyways and that way they can have like uh like a lumberjack match with all the other like nobody can run away Like you have all the other monsters all around him, you know, like Godzilla and and his annoying little kid and all those other, like the big spiders and the grasshoppers and stuff like that. That's what I I would, only because there's three different Skull Islands. Because it was never the same. That's what I would say. But you can imagine it however you'd like. Just know that all the Kongs have the same, similar uh, jumpy, hoppy, flippy agilitations. So, it's that time of the show where we do the science fact, where we do the wine uh, uh, recommendation, and where we do Agent Nicole's files. So, Nicole, do you have your file ready? Are you ready to go? Ashes? Um, yeah. Ashes, I'm
3: you're...
0: good. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, Ashes, you're ready with your, with your thing as well?
1: I'm always ready.
0: All right. Well, I think I'll start things off because uh, it's less of a fact and more of an announcement. I think people will be interested in. So, uh, Wolfie, when you're ready. From the
2: blackness of space, timeless from the void, you terrified to learn
0: of Nazi science facts. <laughs> All right, so if you've been, uh, you know, uh, watching the news lately, you will have known that in the last couple of weeks, a new system of planets known as the TRAPPIST-1 system has been found. Uh, There are seven potentially habitable planets um, uh, orbiting a red dwarf star, and... As yet, they have no names. They are simply known uh, right now according to NASA as Trappist 1b 1 C 1 D 1 E 1 F 1 G and 1 H. And those are boring names. So they are uh, they as in NASA, NASA is asking for people to tweet at them with the hashtag seven names for seven new planets. And that's the number seven. You don't have to uh, type out the words. So hashtag seven names for seven new planets. And they are asking the public to help them name these seven new planets. So if you are interested and you would like to be part of planet naming history, uh, follow NASA on Twitter. uh, If you have yourself a Twitter account, of course. And tweet at them the names that you think uh, the planets should be called with the uh, hashtag seven names for seven new planets.
1: Do you think they take my cat's name as a suggestion?
0: Princess <laughs> Planet Zombie Cake?
1: Planet Princess Zombie Cake?
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen some of the suggestions that people have said. You know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is one who said they should be named after the seven dwarves. Um, and some of you may be asking why... Does it go 1B through 1H for the seven planets? Uh simple, the star that they orbit is 1A. So you start from the 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 center and work your way out. So 1B is the planet closest to the sun, 1C. So in our solar system, Earth would be 1D because it would be the sun, and Mercury, Venus, Earth. So we'd be we'd be the 1D planet. So uh Think of your planet names and tweet them out with again the hashtag seven names for seven new planets. It's only uh, the the I almost said the letter seven, the number seven, not the word. And uh, with that being said, I think we're going to turn it over to Ashes for the Von Nightmare Vineyard. <laughs>
1: episode of Von Nightmare Vineyards Um, I'm going to talk about something that is super duper super duper 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 important Uh, something that every wine drinker should know about and that is how long will your open bottle of wine last now (laughs) if you're me in my house you don't have to worry about it (laughs) because your bottle ain't going to last long but some people aren't as well, avid wine drinkers as as I am, like my mom, for example. So, I'm here today to educate you as to how long you should keep your wine bottle open for. Uh, sparkling wine will stay good for one to three days in the fridge if Properly capped. Um, They actually make uh, special sparkling wine stoppers that you can, you know, because sometimes when you have to uncork uh, sparkling wine, sometimes it has like a champagne-like cork to it. Um, So they actually make special corks, um, like recorker guys for that. Um, Light white and rosé wines will stay five to seven days in the fridge with a cork. Full-bodied white wines will stay three to five days in the fridge with a cork. Red wine will stay three to five days in a cool, dark place with a cork. And boxed wine can stay um, anywhere from 28 days in the fridge to six weeks in a cool, dark place. So, um, definitely, if you, I suggest if you don't drink a lot of wine, and, and box wine too, you can actually get uh, various sizes. So, if you aren't an avid wine drinker, but you do occasionally, um, you know, like to pour yourself a a glass of the vino, I suggest you either get a smaller box of wine because that will stay for about a month. Um, Or you can get these really cool kind of like, I call them wine shots, but they're like your own personal bottles of wine. There's like roughly five to six ounces of wine in each bottle. And it's like the perfect glass of wine for A normal person, I require a lot more than that. So that's your fun fact for today. Thanks for uh, sticking around with me, kids.
0: I find that uh, information to be, uh, in our house anyways, kind of unnecessary, except for the box wine part. Because we don't go through a box of wine in a night. But our wine glasses typically hold um, half a bottle of wine. So if we have one glass of wine... That's pretty much going to kill off the bottle, but that's good to know for folks who aren't uh, as crazy um, as we are.
1: So, unfortunately, because problems, ancient Nicole is not going to be able to do her files evening.
0: Are you sure, Nicole? You're there, right? We can hear you.
3: Yeah, but I'm kind of. I think I'm stalling in and out. So no, there's
0: just just no, no. There's just a slight delay. That's
1: fine.
3: No, it's all right. We'll do it next time. It's not a big deal.
0: Are you sure? Because you've been yes. coming in loud and clear perfectly fine. It's just I think there's a slight delay, uh, you know, with with the uh, the Skype thing having to no, travel it, all the way underwater.
3: It, we'll do it next time. We'll ha- I'll have a better one next time. I'll double up.
0: Okay, you have to do okay. two then.
3: That's fine. All
0: right. All right. So... so- Nicole does not have uh her agent Nicole files as you see because you know I'm she says it's because she's getting disconnected I say it's because they confiscated her laptop before she got uh uh put into uh Supermax jail so I think she's just using that as an excuse because she doesn't have them uh have her notes readily available so next week once she's out once Gendry gets to her and gets her uh out of the uh Supermax prison she will have a double double uh, stack of uh, sweet Agent Nicole files. So, well, all right, I think that's uh, going to go ahead and wrap things up for us then. Uh, Nicole, did you have any final thoughts on the day?
3: Nope. Um, can't wait for when I come back and out of this hellhole of jail.
0: If they let her out. Well, I mean, it seems like yeah.
3: If they let me out, it yeah. seems like
0: she's doing all right. You know, uh, you know, you have Wi-Fi and phone access, and or is it that like at any moment, like the guards are going to break in and like figure out what you're doing? Kind of like that scene in Shawshank when Andy Dufresne's playing the the record out the window there.
3: I've never seen Shawshank Redemption. <laughs>
1: Neither have what's,
0: I. What's the shame? Oh. Yep. All right, well, we can add that one. We'll have to cover Andy Dufresne because that's a pretty good film. Um, Yeah, I think that's going to go ahead unless, uh, Ashes, you have any final thoughts. Nope. No final thoughts. Wolfie, anything you'd like to add? Booty. All right. (laughs) Everybody, we will see see you next Thursday.
2: Thursday.